Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relieves the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In this, save, in this service, may it be cursed all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you in the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine arms. And we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Called to perfection. And this promised commandment, the commandment to be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect, that was written in the book of Matthew, the evangelist, and is presented to us in a series of sermons of Pastor Arkady. It is the inheritance of saints of all times and generations, and it is addressed by Christ himself to his disciples. And so we will look at the main sign according to which we should judge of our partaking to the perfection of God. This is according to the ability to clothe our essence into the holy or selective love of God, as it is written in Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be friendly. According to this passage, the rule of the peace of God in our hearts is possible only under one condition. If the selective love of God will dwell in our hearts and we will be clothed in the selective love of God. And apart from the tolerant and selfish love of man, the selective love of God differs in that it is endowed with the zeal of God, His vision and His absolute wisdom which is impossible to use in the blemished, selfish, and ignorant goals of a person. The selective love of God is called to destroy the power of death in our body and in its place to reign the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies and clothe our earthly bodies into the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man. The selective love of God can dwell and express itself exclusively in the atmosphere of brotherly love in which we go from a state of eternal death to a state of eternal life. 
1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, we know that we have passed from death to life, because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, in order for love to dwell in us, or rather, to more specifically say, in order for eternal life to dwell in us, it is necessary for love to dwell in us. As soon as our love toward God and our neighbor leaves us, then along with this quality leaves the atmosphere of life. It will be it will leave depart unknowingly a person continues to go to church to sing, continues to sing to God but love has left and we just not long ago we remember that the atmosphere of God's love it is going to keep itself if the love will be present when a person is born of God he is presented with a decision or rather, more specifically, he's presented with two decisions, either to enter into a state of death and become dead to God and unsuitable for any good deed, or to enter a state of eternal life that he did not know of before and become fit for all good deeds and demonstrating brotherly love. And speaking about brotherly love, we together are answering four classic questions, and we have stopped to study the third question that sounds like the following. What conditions or what price is necessary to fulfill to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith? How much does it cost? What is it going to cost us in order for us to demonstrate brotherly love to one another? And the first that we have stopped to study and have gone over to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith, it is necessary to put away lying speak truth to one another because we are members of one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22-25 They put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Here we see the coordinates completely nearby. Sometimes we say, we didn't know that you are our neighbor. We came from a country where we knew everyone that lived in our village, everyone that lived in our city. But here in America, we don't know exactly who lives nearby, who's our neighbor. Because in the morning, the garage opens, the car drives out, and in the evening, again, the garage opens, the car goes in, and the garage is closed. There is nothing bad about this, but the thing is that when we are talking about in relation to the Word of God, we must understand that there are certain places and we know their coordinates. It is necessary for us to set aside, renew, and clothe, and say, for this place that lays as a foundation of the promise that you are waiting for, what, what is a neighbor to this commandment? You know, I don't know my neighbors. Well, how do you not know your neighbors? Are you not familiar with this with this neighborhood? No, I just know that there is one quality in this neighborhood. He says, no, the neighbor is to this commandment is to not speak lies to one another. 
they are friends and they live in one house. It was important for us to see that in order for us to demonstrate brotherly love and in order for us to wait for this promise of the reign of the resurrection of Christ, it is necessary to put away lies and to speak truth to one another. And we were offered by Pastor Arkady 10 components and we went over them and let's quickly remember them, how we are able to reject lies. This is that which I have a need of, this is that which I think many of you have need of as well. First, to set away lives, in order to set away lies, we need to give birth to the fruit of righteousness. This fruit of righteousness will resist the fruit of lies in our lips. I can't stop lying if I don't begin to bring the fruit of righteousness. We can't tell our son or daughter, promise me that you are never going to lie to your father again. He says, I promise. Well, then he goes and lies again. Why? Because it is necessary for a person to say that in order for me to stop lying, I need to offer the fruit of righteousness. And for this fruit of righteousness in these lips, it needs to overcome the fruit of lawlessness. We lie because we have been born liars. We have been born from the seed of Adam, and for us it's natural to lie at our gates, at our lips, we lie. In order to overcome these lies, it's necessary for at our lips for us to bear the fruit of righteousness by collaborating our heart with the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit, for us to begin to proclaim the Word of God and to stop lying to ourselves. We must proclaim the faith of our heart and proclaim it to also for others, to also not to lie to saints and speak lies in relation to them. The second quality, well, how do we set aside lies? We need to hate lawlessness in our body. We need to hate this lawlessness. How displeasing it is for me to lie. Sometimes young people come, um, sometimes they're not even young, sometimes elderly come and they proclaim, confess and they say, I hate this sin. This is very good. When confession becomes, how wonderful this, this appears. He says, I made a sin, I sinned which I hate and despise. Because what is confession? Confession isn't just to tell me about your sin. You know, I, I sinned and someone smiles. I said, you've come to confession and not to tell me of your sins. What are you ready to confess? To confess is to turn your back against sin and to turn your back against sin. It is necessary for you to hate this sin, to hate this sin. And then when saints say, I hate it. It's, I understand that they may fall into sin again because uh, we are slaves of sin and there is an old man that lives in us and that he takes power over us. But Isaiah had said, I'm a man with unclean lips and I live among a people with unclean lips. So he hated lawlessness when he saw God in his holiness, his transcendence. He says, Lord, I'm a man with unclean lips. Lips. The prophet of God said, I'm a man with unclean lips. He despised lawlessness in his body. Third, well, how do we set aside lies? In order to set aside lies, it is necessary to overthrow the carrier of lies. This we do, as we know, when we take off the old man, when we renew our thinking, and then when we clothe ourselves with the proclamation of our lips, when we clothe ourselves in the truth of the Word of God. This is how we can cast away, cast him away from the throne. Furthermore, fourth, this is to wash lies from our heart and all kinds of evil thoughts in order to reject lies from our heart and evil thoughts we need to reject evil and accept only the good fifth to reject lies is to break the bonds of lies 
This action is necessary for us to be able to bind ourselves with the bonds of love, so the bonds of brotherly love, love among saints. For this it is necessary to take off all kinds of bonds of lies, because how can we define the difference between bonds of lies and bonds of love? Bonds of lies and bonds of devil from bonds of love. For devil, his bonds are very heavy because of one upon him there are handcuffs. There is a large weight that is upon him that we carry throughout our whole life. When Christ binds us with these bonds, this kind of bond that he binds us with is upon Christ. This is also a form of slavery. We must understand that this kind of slavery, we do not carry some kind of weight of lies with the, over ourselves, but we, in this format of slavery, are tied to the Lord Jesus because He is a slave of the Heavenly Father. And then we see that since Jesus had has bound Himself with these bonds of love, bonds of friendliness, these bonds, these are handcuffs, these are good handcuffs, He bound Himself with his to his father and we are bound to Christ and these bonds are always light and if it is difficult for us to love our brothers in the church then we need to check what kind of bonds we are carrying what kind of bonds we are in we're in some kind of chains or bonds of love Jesus says my burden is very light why because he carries his part and he asks a person to carry his part also to reject lies six is to deprive the carrier of lies of power so the old man through the truth of the cross of lies seventh this is to place the carrier of lies into the impassable land to send him to the impassable land it is written that the sin will be placed on the goat azazel will confess his sins over him and will send him into the inhabitable impassable land Azazel goat represented devil. One goat was brought as a sin offering, and with his blood, people were sprinkled to wash them from sins, and the other one, he did not die. Why? Because he was found in the state of death. This is devil. Upon him, the priest confessed sins and had sent him into the impassable land. This is what God does with the sins that we confess. He sends them into impassable land, and we should never remind a person of his sin once he has confessed it, because as Pastor had shown us in that vision that he had seen, that each time when the experts are going to come to the, to the, to the grave, the, the sins that have been buried, when the experts say, we want to provide some kind of conclusion, we want to dig up the sins, the sin, it mutates, it transforms, and they, and they say, this is what this person thought, this is what he did. And the person that committed these sins previously and had uh, confessed of them, he doesn't even recognize these. So if the sin was confessed, we send it to an impassable land and we must not dig anything up or be those experts that are trying to dig up that which was already placed onto the Azazel goat. Eighth, this is to stop decay in body. How do we do this? This is when Elisha ripped his own understanding, his own garments. I understand together with you that after we have agreed with the fact 
that we say, Lord, I accept your word, I agree with your word, and I tear my garments in half. I do not want to wait for when saints are going to rapture. I don't want to, like Elisha, wait. I don't want the tunic to come to upon me on my head. I want when Elijah comes for me to take the mantle and be able to tear my garments and to take his garments and clothe myself. I don't want to wait for the rapture to do this. I want to be raptured along together with the saints. And in order for this rapture to occur, it is necessary to stop the process of decay. And before rapture, this means to tear close our own understanding and accept that truth that we hear. Ninth, this is to cleanse our our soul with obedience to soul, with obedience to the truth. There is hypocritical brotherly love and unhypocritical brotherly love. We need to depart from the hypocritical brotherly love. We're not talking about hatred. I don't see any kind of envy among saints in our church, but sometimes we might have resentment due to our imperfection yet this we might have this kind of hypocritical brotherly love we don't have open mockery but we need to our heart with our words to act as one team for them to say may blind brother be blessed and not say something negative against my brother my heart and my lips must work as one command that bless the holy person and tenth this is to bring rest to our weary body. Scripture says that this is possible when we bring rest to our weary body. So it is impossible to comfort the saints if a person himself has not been comforted. Therefore, Apostle Paul, he often came and he had endured trials. He said, so that the Lord can teach me to be comforted by the word of God, so that then when saints, for which he carried responsibility, he could comfort them with that comfort that he was comforted with himself. That's why we are unable to bring rest to a weary saint if the Lord has not comforted us. And God comforts. He sometimes brings saints through such an event that not everyone would want to agree to be in this kind of position. We must understand that when the Lord allows some kind of holy person to be in a certain position, in this position, He comforts him and He is comforted in the Word of God. He then has the potential to comfort other saints that are going to be in a situation that is like that. We say that all the apostles were found in difficult situations. Sometimes it would seem, Lord, Lord, well, are you not caring about the apostles? What kind of relationship is this? John had lived until his later death, but then he was he was finally killed at the end. All had died with a very difficult death. All had suffered. All were sick. Why, Lord, were you unable to see upon to show upon the apostles your glory, your healing, your might? Why did you lead them through this? Well, for the very reason that apostles, when they can pass along this word, so that we can be comforted in this word, and it works. Why did David undergo such a life? And we today open up psalms and are comforted by his psalms. Because that comfort with which the Lord comforted him, David comforts us. And believe that we are going to have a lot of time in heaven to thank Job for his book, to thank David and other prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the Lamentations, to thank them because 
they had passed along that comfort that which with which they were comforted with and those apostles which of course are among us today whom god comforts so that they could comfort us and this was the first component we are talking about well what does it cost to have brotherly love for me to be able to demonstrate the holy selective love of god it's necessary to reject lies second in order to demonstrate brotherly love and the selected love of God agape, it is necessary to not devise evil against our neighbor when he trustingly dwells besides us. We all came to this place. We are trustingly dwelling among each other. What a wonderful atmosphere, but we must understand one thing. Proverbs 3.29, do not devise evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. This passage cannot be directly tied to Christ, who is our neighbor, because he knows our thoughts before they can devise evil against him. But it can be about our brother, who is clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God, who does not have the ability to penetrate our evil thoughts, as well as our brother, who is our neighbor and trustingly lives with us, relying on our good intentions toward him so our brother and our sisters that are in our church again who trustingly live with us relying on our good intentions toward them a question arises what should we view as evil thoughts against our neighbor who trustingly dwells with us evil thoughts are comprised of when in our relationship with our neighbor in the face of our pastor and our brothers who are faithful to him and those saints that surround us our lips and the thoughts of our heart as we said are not one team this happens when when we carry envy in our heart toward our neighbor and wish him evil because we view him as guilty for our unfulfilled desires but despite this, with our lips, we express and highlight our deep respect toward him and solidarity with him. So usually th this respect is very highlighted. Sometimes I think, what was this all about? But I am not Christ. I can't see. We also see a person clothed in the dignity of the fatherhood of God. The Lord has made it so, so that we do not see. Sometimes people come up and say, Please look at me and please scan me and tell me who I am. I said, well, let me scan. He said, well, close the Bible. What is the Holy Spirit going to tell you? Well, I say, the Holy Spirit talks to me to the Word of God. Here it says, well, I can't scan. I can't scan except the Holy Spirit will say of this person, this person is dangerous or this person is in need of this and that. But this is going to be the presence of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are in play if he finds it necessary to say this. But sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't say because the more he uses his gifts, the less he is going to be able to use the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Lord says you can use these kinds of gifts and this kind of fruit, or you can use less gifts and the rest fruit. He says, I want all of this to be fruit. He says, then all of that which is supernatural to saints in the church, immovable foundation, they must receive in a natural way. So that this is not like a wonder, but this is so that it is fruit. And this, the fruit that we bring, is also a wonder. But this is not a gift, it is fruit. 
It is supernatural. Therefore, I placed a goal for myself. Lord, if you want to bless me with supernatural, I want the supernatural to come naturally. For this to not be, oh, what a miracle this is. Lord, make it so that this is not present. Oh, what a miracle this is. So that these wonders could be natural. And so that these wonders could become natural in each day of our life. And this is possible when we look through the prism of the fruit. Let's look at this highlighted solidarity. Whereas, meanwhile, something in our heart is evil. Fervent lips with a wicked heart are like earthenware covered with silver dross. Proverbs 26:23. We should note that the intentions of the Holy Spirit in this case are to protect a person from this evil thought against our neighbor who trustingly dwells with us. Because in the end, the affected party will be the person who devises evil against his neighbor who trustingly dwells beside him. The man against whom they devise evil, despite the cunningness of the one with whom he trustingly dwelled with, attracts the favor of God and becomes wiser and stronger. Therefore, we should not be scared when someone says something negative. This makes us stronger, not more cunning, but wiser and stronger. And therefore, we should not have any questions about who out of the wicked and righteous will come out victorious. The righteous will emerge from this furnace as gold that is cleansed from all impurities. Psalms chapter 55 verses 9 through 23. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it, nor is it one who hates me who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance, acquaintance, who took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. Furthermore, of strict words, let death seize them, let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who bides from of old, because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. He has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. You shall never permit the righteous to be moved, but you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. And so to demonstrate brotherly love and the selective love of God agape, it is necessary to uproot from our heart the envy we had inherited from the sinful seed of our fathers. What is this deceit coming from? It comes from envy. Otherwise, we will not be able to resist the genetic inheritance in order to not devise evil against our neighbor when he trustingly dwells beside us. 
though it is specifically the quality of envy. Someone has more, someone has less. Someone God has blessed with some kind of talent and gift in the church or with some kind of blessing. And we have a kind of blemish in us, envy. And that's it. We arrive at a problem. Now, as soon as envy comes, now our heart is not in one, as one team with our lips. We hi say to a person, uh, highlight a respect, whereas in our heart we have envy. Therefore, let's take a look at how this vain life is presented in the format of envy and how to be rid of it. 1 Peter 1, 18-21 Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, so from envy, aimless conduct is envy, received by tradition from your fathers. So this envy I had, I have, my fathers had it, my great-grandfathers, and up until the very Adam. When he had given birth to Cain, we see that the second man who spoke to God face to face had such nearness we could only dream of. And during the time of the breaking, when Cain had said to Abel, let's go into the field, let's talk. Why? Let's go to worship God in the field. He knew that during the time of worship, he would kill him. He brought him to the field. He brought him to church in order to kill him in the church. Therefore, we are redeemed, we are redeemed from the aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Tradition, I, well, let's, when we speak this word, when we say from our fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you through him, believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope are in God. And this is possible when we lose our aimless conduct and with it envy how can we define ourselves in ourselves how do i have this sinful life that is evident in me very easy envy if i have it or not we are redeemed i together with you by the blood of jesus christ it is necessary to be rid of this quality therefore envy is that through which we can define our relationship with god Third, to demonstrate brotherly love and the selective love of God agape, it is necessary not to remove our late neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set. We are talking about what kind of price brotherly love has. It is necessary to not remove our neighbor's landmark. Deuteronomy 19.14, You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. A landmark landmarks are boundaries that outline a territory of an inheritance given to us by God in the limits of the promised land that is given to us in our possession through a lot. Figuratively, our inherited portion given to us by God in the limits of the promised land is our belonging that defines the territory of our sovereignty. So first, this is our sovereignty that each holy person has. And by violating the landmark of our neighbor in the subject of his sovereign rights on the territory of his property, which first of all is the property of God, and in doing so we fall under the curse of the law that was ratified by Israel on the tops of Mount Ebal and Gerizim. 
As it is written, Deuteronomy 27, 17, Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. In Hebrew, landmark means hill, boundary, limit, edge, territory, region, fence, rim, belt. The landmark of our inherited portion and our neighbors is defined as the promised land. They all were found in the promised land. And so, our inherited portion as well as our neighbors is the soil of our heart and our body that is created by God from the earth. It follows that the territory of our heart and our body is a battlefield for the possession of which God wages war with the old man living in our body, behind which are the organized forces of darkness who had acquired our heart and our body upon the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden. Our sovereignty is presented in our body, in our heart. And scripture says that we cannot violate this boundary. How interested the promised land was presented. This is not just our body, but this is the good soil of our heart. Our body and our heart is that which during the sinfall was reserved by sin through the sinfall of Adam. And now God wants to take possession of this land and to receive a right to our heart and our body. A question arises, how and in what circumstances can we encroach on the sovereign rights of our neighbor? Let's look at some of these characteristics through which we can define, do we violate the landmarks of our neighbor? As we define the landmarks of our neighbor is the promised land, and the promised land represents for us two images. This is our heart and our body. Now, do we begin to violate these landmarks and control the substance of the heart of our neighbor and his body. Let us first look at this in our essence, how it occurs when our soul begins to violate the boundary and enters a territory that does not belong to it and enters into the territory of the spirit. And so one of the encroachments on, first one, on the landmark of our neighbor can occur when our rational abilities not only rule and govern our emotions, which but also encroach on the rational abilities of our heart, just like princes of Judah who stepped away from God. Hosea 5.10 says, the princes of Judah under princes, this is talking about our rational capabilities, are like those who remove a landmark, I will pour out my wrath on them like water. Our soul must not be like these princes of Judah. It must be like the princes princes of Judah. A prince is someone, princes and leaders are different. A prince is someone who comes to the temple of God and at the doorsteps of the temple brings a sacrifice and pass it along to priests who then brings it inside in the temple as a sacrifice. This is a prince. But our soul is not always a leader excuse me, our soul is not always a prince. Rulership it has is like when it is a leader of Judah and it uses this leadership and this authority over the Spirit saying, this is the Holy Spirit that revealed this to me. But God has and carries such a position that 
The Lord gives to our spirit, and in with this truth we renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind. Mind of Christ is found in our spirit. Here we need to understand who our soul is. It is either like princes of Judah that bring a sacrifice in the temple or a leader that tries to enter into the territory of the, of the spirit. And this is a kind of encroachment that might be present in our essence. The next kind of encroachment on the landmark of our neighbor occurs when we steal the flock of our neighbor and feed on them as our own property. Job chapter 24 verses 1 and 2. Since times, since times are not hidden from the Almighty, why do those who know Him see not His days? Some remove landmarks, they seize flocks violently and feed on them. This occurs when we attribute to ourselves the thoughts of our neighbor in the face of a person who represents the fatherhood of God, which are the revelation of the Holy Spirit, and when we portray them as revelations that we ourselves have received. So we need to not remove our neighbor's landmark. Therefore, when we come to the water, to the preacher, we must not say, Brother, I thank you for the revelation, but... I thank you that you have fulfilled those truths that the Apostle has said. But when the, the water is told, praise be to God, you have spoken such revelations today. Well, what kind of revelations? The water must constantly realize that he stands in the most dangerous kind of zone. He is either going to Azazel, the go to Azazel, or he is going to be the one that is going to bring himself as an offering, if we speak figuratively. And this is such an, a dangerous line. And we must understand that as soon as we take the flock and say, these are my revelations, well, praise be to God that we have been deprived of this in our service for quite some time now. The next kind of encroachment is when we drive away the donkey of the fatherless for the satisfaction of our personal desires and when we take the widow's ox as a pledge, they drive away the donkey of the fatherless. With this we must fight in our division. This happens when we, using our position and authority, portray our personal lusts as the will of God and prompt our neighbor to fulfill our lusts as though they are the will of God. This is present in relations between a husband and wife parents and children they have a certain authority as parents or as a husband here we must be careful and sometimes we our lusts might portray to our wife as the will of God or to our children I am the father this is what I have said and therefore you must do it we must not violate the landmarks of our neighbor in the face of our wife or our children and saints that might work with us we must be very careful and tactical and not, not portrayed as the as the will of God. And the next kind of encroachment on the landmark of our neighbor occurs when we push the needy off the road that leads them from Jerusalem to Jericho. Job 24, verses 1 through 4. They push the needy off the road. All the poor of the land are forced to hide. So what kind of poor are pushed? Poor that come from Jerusalem to Jericho. There are those who receive justification and now they go for their justification to become righteousness. They go to Jericho and people push them along the way. They say, you're not, you're not changing. When a husband says to a wife, you're not being changed by the word. How are you listening to the word? Well, we must not push the, a person off the road.
if our wife or children or neighbor the first the first person that realizes or recognizes the change in us is God himself second man himself and third this isn't as important but this is what others must see most important for God and for me to see this when we see the change in ourselves we have been affirmed why because we have seen because faith as we hear is from hearing the Word of God and to be affirmed in faith is we see that the word we don't just we see we see it that it's working in us I am transformed we see and we say Lord I no longer have this which I used to have before no I look and when people say you are the same as you were before I recognize there are certain things that I know that I that I don't have that I don't don't have anymore how did this happen my whole life I was one way and now I'm a different way And what I used to say is, this is what the Holy Spirit placed on my heart. He looks like a lamb, but speaks like a dragon. When we say, brothers and sisters, this is what the Holy Spirit told me today. Are you an apostle, brother? No. Who has sent you to pass along to us revelations what the Holy Spirit has placed in your heart for the whole division? This means that the dragon will be speaking through him. He is not found in the order of God. Fourth, we are talking about how much does it cost to purchase this brotherly love. It is necessary to hate all wicked people and those who practice lawlessness. Psalms chapter 5 verses 4 through 6. You are not a God who takes pleasure in lawlessness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The wicked shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. The Lord hates the lawlessness and the wicked. Sometimes you say to a person, what do you, well, sometimes we're told, what do you mean selective love? Scripture says God hates lawlessness. He says, well, yes, hate lawlessness. But if you paid attention, there's not just a period, but there is a comma. And as we know, in our language, a comma means that please read further and do not stop. Scripture says God does not take pleasure. God is not a God who takes pleasure in lawlessness. Nor shall evil dwell with you. The wicked shall not stand in his sight. And he hates all workers of iniquity, period. People say, well, I never knew that there was a comma there. There is a comma. Our problem is that for them, selective love, they don't have it because selective love is just a dot. But there is also a kind of comma that says, well, look at the following and very important remainder of the sentence. God hates lawlessness, comma. He hates all workers of iniquity. The phrase, nor shall evil dwell with you, tells us that God does not make a union with wicked and lawless people who speak lies and portray these lies as if they were the truth. who portray these lies as if they were the truth. Now, who is an evil person? An evil person, whom God says, he practices lawlessness. An evil person is one who replaces the works of God with his own works that come from his flesh. 
which he calls the will of God. This is an evil person, and furthermore, an evil person is a person who does not acknowledge the order of the body of Christ in the congregation of saints, whose head is the person established by God, who carries the powers of the fatherhood of God. John 6, 28-29, And they said to him, What shall we do, that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. If we, out of cowardice before the majority and those in power among the saints, among our friends, among our relatives, do not stand up for our neighbors who are entrusted with the word of God, we, though secretly, allow lies to dwell in our nature and are participants in the reproach against our neighbors. That's why for us to not be partakers in these kind of evil people, it is necessary for us each time in the presence, in our presence, our saints are gossiped about, we must cut this, cut this off. We must gain courage to do this and to stop this. Fifth, we are talking about how much does brotherly love cost? To demonstrate brotherly love and the selective love of God, it is necessary to not cheat and rob our neighbor of his wages, and the wages should not remain with us until morning. You shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. For us, this commandment contains certain concrete signs by which we should determine our neighbors in the congregation of saints, because as we said earlier, the Apostle Arkady writes, not every person in the assembly of saints can be our neighbor. And let's answer three questions that are from this place of scripture. How do we first, in what circumstance does our brother lose the right to be called our brother? Sometimes people say, well, this is your neighbor. Is he? He's a member of our church, they say. Well, where have you gotten this from, that he's a member of our church? That he raises hand and proclaims the manifestation at the end of church? The fact that he takes up place at the body of Christ? This does not mean he's a member of our church. We will take a look at where a person loses the dignity of a neighbor in the church of God. It's a very dangerous thing. This we will look at in the church of Christ. And second, in what circumstances does our brother as our neighbor become our worker, hired help? We are going to talk about our spirit. How our spirit in our essence becomes a hired help, a worker that is going to depend on our soul so that our soul is able to help our spirit to be contrite and to enter into the liberty of Christ. And third, how do we cheat and rob our neighbor and withhold his wages until morning? And we are also going to look at the relationship between our spirit and our soul. The soul must pay the spirit until the resurrection of Christ comes in our bodies. We must not withhold this wages, this hired help, this Israelite who was sold not as a slave but as a hired help up until the year of the Jubilee. This is the state of the spirit which we must have so that our spirit can lose our soul in the salvation of our spirit, soul, and body, we will see that our spirit, being free, is going to become a hired help 
having been contrite in order to use a soul the spirit has very few time a very few amount of time we blink and one person is gone someone is buried blink someone is married blink someone is born and everything is happening quickly and our spirit has a goal to save our spirit soul and body the spirit knows that if he doesn't save the soul and body he will perish in order to save the soul and body the spirit must out of the state of liberty to become a hired help to use the soul so that it could pay him and we'll take a look at how our soul must pay and how we must partake in salvation together with the spirit in order to save the body and the whole essence of a person but first let's take a look at the first question what happens in the church and what under what circumstances does our brother lose the right to be called our neighbor this is the scanner that the word of god provides us with first the main reason why our brother loses the right to be called our neighbor is due to his disorderly conduct in the church. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6-12 through 12, But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you. The disorderly conduct of our brother could be defined when our brother rises against the person representing the fatherhood of God and who is our neighbor that represents the functions of Christ as our neighbor. If we see that our brother behaves disorderly, he loses the right to be called our neighbor. By helping and showing love to our brother who acts disorderly, we will lose our legal right to pass from death to life and we will share the retribution prepared for any person acting disorderly. And therefore, from such a brother, we should be removed. And to be, act disorderly is not just in relation to the anointed one of the Lord. This is to his word. When a person comes, when someone says, Pastor, please stop slandering, the, he begins to gossip, the pastor and that person, to the third person. And that third person calls and says, you know that this sister in our church she is gossiping not just at that person, she gossiped, now she is gossiping at you and me. I say, well, this is disorderly. This is a person who stops having the dignity of our neighbor in the church. People that spread slander, we must demonstrate strictness, severity toward them. We see all of this is related to the Word of God. It comes through our apostle. We must understand what disorderly conduct is. Disorderly conduct is to act disorderly in the church of God. Therefore, I would like to ask saints, for us, what kind of option remains? If you are slandering, you will be warned. You must be silent, and they say, well, I want to... I want to speak. Well, this means that you have disorderly conduct. We must fear. And when old people come and say and pass along slander gossip, may the Lord forbid you to pass along this in the name of Jesus Christ, we must say. This is the best kind of warning, the best kind of excommunication when people come up to us who don't think that this disorderly conduct became in them. They, they say, I don't have this disorderly conduct. Well, then you are, you are a disorderly brother and system. To, to have courage. And when someone tells you, oh, this helper of pastor is so bad, or this sister is so bad, 
say in my presence please never speak negatively about saints may the lord forbid you that's it and then we don't need to warn anyone excommunicate everyone we are like a body something happens something we have some kind of at the end of the day i see that i have some kind of rash or something my head I take it out sometimes if I forget about it if I am working and I when I have a splinter Sometimes I notice, I can take it out, sometimes I don't notice, and then all of a sudden I remember that there's a splinter that's no longer there. There are some people that confessed and they were restored once again in their service, and there are some that depart, that are no longer with us. We are the body of Christ, and that's how the body of Christ functions. The body of Christ will itself push out. It is impossible for the unclean to sit in the stand of the righteous to sit in the, in the church of the righteous. That's why it's necessary for us to transform before this happens with us. Second, we are looking at how what happens when we lose the status. If I said this very strictly, please stoop down to, to my level. Second, any brother denies the justification of the faith that we receive in the transfer of our sins from Christ to the devil in the face of the goat Azazel, he acts disorderly and loses the right to be called and be our neighbor. So this is how we receive justification. The sins of the sins are placed on the goat Azazel. Galatians chapter 5, 4 through 10. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempted to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. This person has rejected the confession of sins that are then laid on the goat Azazel. And he says, You who have been attempted to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you, you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. From these words, what we can say is, when you are told, we'll talk about, okay, our church, why are you confessing to a pastor? Pray yourself at home. Say, Father, in the name of the Jesus Christ, please forgive me. Well, the priest had to sprinkle seven times. He can sprinkle and justify when these sins are going to be confessed on the goat Azazel, and he's going to be cast into the impassable land. Well, let this go, they say. Take the blood yourself and place it on your forehead. We cannot sprinkle this blood ourselves. Blood is sprinkled by the priest. Therefore, when we have saints in our church that say, well, I never confess my sins, 
Well, a person has lost the status of a neighbor in this moment. You, you can say, well, how do you look at the confession of sins in the church? And momentarily you will understand, is this a neighbor or not? Third, we are talking about how we lose the status of a neighbor in the church. If a brother denies the commandment of tithes and offerings, referring them to the ministry of the Old Testament, to which they had nothing to do with, he acts disorderly and loses the right to be called and be our neighbor. Malachi 3, 7-12 Yet from the days of your fathers ye have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Say, the, says the Lord of hosts, But you said, In what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. In this is Malachi that passes along a dialogue, a, a dialogue, a dialogue in which we scan people. Take a look at what they say. What do, what do you mean, will male rob God with tithes and offerings? Well, I don't, and well, I don't think that I am robbing God in this way. This person just lost his right to be our neighbor. Fourth, if any brother denies the ban on the use of wine and other alcoholic beverages, he acts disorderly and loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. And again, Leviticus 10, 8 through 11. This was the decree that the Lord gave through Moses to Aaron when his drunk sons went out to serve God with false fire and profane fire, God killed them. And Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It should be a statute forever through your generations, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. For our brother loses the status of a neighbor when, if he legalizes the use of alcoholic drinks and everything begins from with alcohol sometimes people say can can I drink some kind of beer without alcohol it's, it says beer on there but it's without a grade I said I have one question have you ever drank before I have if you want to be an alcohol in one or two months, drink non-alcoholic beverages. Because everything starts with the word, can I drink beer? Without a grade. Let's take away the percentage. You asked me about beer? Let's go to any kind of person. Tell me, sister, can I drink beer? Well, please, no. The Lord keep you safe. Without percentage. What do you mean? This is beer. Beer is beer. Then we begin to say, well, about kefir. Yes, kefir. And kwas also. Drink. Not one person on planet Earth became an alcoholic by drinking kefir. Athletes drink this. Kwas, those that work hard, drink it. But those who started with a non-alcoholic beer, it was a very short time that passed and then they died to God. 
Sabbath, we are looking at where our brother loses his status as our brother. If any brother denies the order of theocracy in which the body of Christ functions, he acts disorderly and loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. John 20, verses 21 through 23. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us, through the apostles. So disorderly conduct in the church, of course, with this, a person loses the status of a neighbor. And as we said, disorderly conduct is not just, I do not acknowledge the apostle. Sometimes we say, oh, I love our pastor, and yet pass along slander. How can you love how can you love pastor, or how can you say, God, Heavenly Father, I love you, but I hate your children? This is impossible. Therefore, when we look at the person of God, the man of God, when we acknowledge him, we must also acknowledge and accept his word that he speaks and obey this word. Sixth, we are talking about how our brother loses the status of a neighbor. If a brother ascribes to himself a revelation that does not belong to him and distorts it for the sake of self-interest, he acts disorderly and loses the right to be called it to be our neighbor. Ezekiel, Ch Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 29 through 32. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, he says, Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them, and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet do not send them or command them. Therefore they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. This kind of a person loses the status of a neighbor. This was the first question. We have three questions how our brother loses the status of a neighbor, or how we can lose the status of a neighbor. Second question, in what circumstances can our brother and the dignity of our neighbor be hired help? And in Israel, this was a natural, a natural way. A person became poor, and then he was hired as help to the, to the other Jew, and there were certain decrees regarding this. In connection with this question, we will turn to one of the scriptures in which the circumstance that interests us is presented, Leviticus 25, verses 39 through 43. And if one of your brethren who dwells by you becomes poor and sells himself to you, you shall not compel him to serve as a slave. So let's see here a relationship between our spirit and our soul, that this brother that is sold as hired help, this is our spirit. It is sold as slavery to the soul, so that it, along with it, can save our body. As a hired servant, our spirit must be as a hired servant, and as sojourner, he shall be with you and shall serve you until the year of Jubilee. And then he shall depart from you, he and his children with him, so that fruit that he will bring. And he shall return to his own family, he shall return to the possession of his fathers, for they are my servants. 
So the spirit is called the servant of the Lord. In relation to the soul, it cannot be a servant or a slave. It can only be a hired help. But in relation to God, the spirit is a servant. The spirit of the Lord is, or the spirit of a person is my servant, says God. For they are my servants whom I brought in the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him with rigor, but you shall fear your God. This command is a shadow of future blessings because it reveals the image of our neighbor in the face of our spirit, which can become impoverished in one case, when it experiences contrition and is sold as a slave to the soul, through which it gains the ability to receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven and nurture the fruit of righteousness. The contrition of our spirit is the joint work of God and man in which our spirit, through baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire, immersed in the death of Christ, and after that, under special conditions, is clothed in the resurrection of Christ, and in which it begins to bear the fruit of righteousness. This process is well represented in the allegory of the book of Songs of Solomon. Chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. How this kind of contrition of our spirit happens. The contrition of our spirit occurs only when our spirit becomes a servant to the Lord and becomes a hired help to the soul. And the soul must understand that despite the fact that this brother, this spirit, sold himself as a hired help, it can't behave toward him as a servant because during the year of Jubilee, when the resurrection of Christ will reign in our bodies, then the spirit is going to take its leading position in our essence. And this is only for a shortened time. Up until the year of Jubilee, everything will happen when our spirit will become a hired help. When it becomes hired help, we become a servant to the Lord. This person or our spirit becomes ready to be contrite. Let us look at this state of contrition that occurs. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. This is how God views our spirit how much is in it but it is sealed it is shut up and enclosed this is our spirit this is mine and your spirit it turns out that in it are all the promises of god for us but it is necessary for us to uncover it to unseal it to open it up for this it is necessary to undergo contrition furthermore we read your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits the Word of God asks, what is in there, in order to unseal it? Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, fragrant henna with spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and streams from Lebanon. All of this is in a person who is ready for contrition. It's not just an empty garden. This is a garden that is already fragrant, but this fragrant no one can see except for man himself. Furthermore, scripture says, Awake, O north wind, and come, O south. Blow upon my garden, that its spices may flow out. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its pleasant fruits. He will never come. The beloved will never come until the arrow, uh, the aroma doesn't come out of the garden and it will never come out unless we have the north and south winds. And this, these winds will never come until this enclosed garden will become opened while it is sealed. 
It will not be opened and uncovered. And how does this happen? Through the contrition of our spirit. In the phrase, garden enclosed, that yields the state of the fruit of the spirit in our heart, the phrase enclosed means contained in the depths, hidden from prying eyes, only the Lord and I see it, that riches that are in us and no one else, locked with a key, tying sandals, shoes on his feet, prepared to represent the interests of light. Under the phrase, garden enclosed, refers to a state the garden enclosed refers to a state that has not yet become contrite, whose fruits have ripened but cannot yet be eaten because the garden is still closed. Fruit cannot be eaten or partaken of until this garden is opened. That's why we need these winds to come, the north and south winds. A heart that does not have a garden is not going to be unsealed. There is nothing. There is no aroma there. The garden is unsealed and we place our spirit through contrition so that through there could be this aroma. For what? In order to attract Christ Jesus to His coming. His coming for His church. It does not just depend on the Father. The Father has appointed a time and this time that we have. Yes, this time is established by the Father, but Jesus comes from one of the components. This is when He feels that the Holy Spirit, through His winds out of our spirit, begins to bring aromas to Him, and then He will sense this. The Son is ready in order to come into this garden, to come to this earth and to reign the resurrection of Christ in the hearts of saints. Why? Because the Father is waiting for this fragrance. The presence of a ripened fruit in the Spirit of the fruit of righteousness testifies to the readiness of our spirit to be broken. The presence of a ripened fruit, a fruit of righteousness of the character of Christ, it testifies to our readiness of our spirit to be broken. I thought that everything would end at this, that I begin to have the character of Christ, that I begin to be transformed, this is bringing me joy, but only to prepare me for contrition in order for my soul to be able for a time to become this prince not a leader, but this prince, my spirit must be sold as a hired help. Therefore, the presence of a ripened fruit testifies of the readiness of our spirit to be broken, which gives God the basis to the north and south winds to carry out the process of contrition so that the beloved in the face of the bridegroom can come to his garden and eat its sweet fruits. The phrase, Awake, O north wind, and come, O south, blow upon my garden, that its spices may flow out, refers to, the, refers to the role of God when He receives direction to break the spirit of man through the north and south winds. It's not just Holy Spirit 1. He says, well, you're not giving me the right to do this. We need to provide agreement, or He needs to receive direction from us to do this, to break the spirit of man through the north and south winds. Only after our spirit is exposed to the north and south wind does our spirit come from a state of being locked in the garden into a state of contrition that gives us the ability to be a light and spread the fragrance of Christ. And the third question, how do we cheat and rob our brother represents our spirit in the state of contrition and rob him of his wages until morning. 
The image of the morning and the dimension of our three-dimensional essence is the image of the Jubilee year when we come to the realization of the need to accept over ourselves the dominion of the Holy Spirit that He can become the Lord and ruler of our lives. Scripture says that so that the wages of your hired help do not remain until the morning. Before the Lord comes to reign not just in our spirit, soul, but also in our body, we need to give the wages over to our brother, to our spirit and to not rob and to not withhold his wages. Well, now a question, what does it mean to rob our neighbor in the face of our spirit? How does our soul incorrectly rob from our spirit and to withhold his wages? It's very interesting. To rob our neighbor in the face of our spirit who is in a state of contrition is to attribute the rational virtues of the spirit to the rational capabilities of our soul and to withhold wages until morning that is our hired help is to not accept the governing of the Holy Spirit over the rational capabilities of our soul that's why it is necessary for us to agree with this word, it is necessary for us to acknowledge the rulership of the Holy Spirit over the rational capabilities of our soul. And we're going to pray, and I call upon all of those saints that want to acknowledge the rulership of the Holy Spirit over the rational capabilities of our soul. And Scripture says, first, it is necessary to have two conditions. First, it is necessary to forgive our brother until the setting of the sun not when he asks us for forgiveness but until the setting of the sun what does this tell us this tells us that when we forgive our brother that sins against us before the setting of the sun many people fall asleep they go to sleep and they don't wake up brother and sister didn't ask me for help for for forgiveness but I restore my relationship with them perhaps when they repent but I deal with my question and when I forgive my offender until the setting of the sun we say Lord I restore my relationship with you and I don't want to be judged so that then you judge me I let go of that bitterness and I acknowledge the Holy Spirit ruling over the rational voluntary and emotional spheres of my soul and that's why according to your word I forgive my sister my brother what happened we have no right to go to sleep until we fix our relationship with God. And then, mother, brother, or sister, when we provide an opportunity, when we fix our relationship with God, then they will come up and say, you know, I think I've, I said some, this incorrectly. Forgive me. That's it. And there, we restore relationship with brother and sister, and they are restored. The most important is, before the setting of the sun, to fix our relationship with God, to say, Lord, there is no bitterness in my heart or resentment. And it is also necessary to not rob from our neighborhood and to withhold his wages until morning. So, until the morning comes, we must place ourselves complete, oh, complete rulership under the, the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit leads us to repent in something, to affirm something upon this place, then please, we should not resist the Holy Spirit. We need to, we need to give him payment for this. If this is our heart is leading us to go up on here. We won't say, we should not say, well, I'm going to just sit here. Well, you can sit here, but we won't carry you 
when the Holy Spirit says, come out, come out and acknowledge my rulership over your rational, voluntary, and emotional capabilities. Come out. Therefore, may you be courageous and also those who want to dedicate themselves to God and affirm their dedication. You can also come out to this place. You may be placed, may be blessed in your prayer and we wait for you at the altar. I will pray with our prayer and ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is for you. He is not against you. He has loved you with your, His eternal love. He has given us the work of His redemption. He has rose and stood between us and our enemies in order to protect us and to raise us up to His level. Your eyes closed. This is an element of a secret room. Your hands raised to the heavens. This is our readiness to accept mercy from the Lord without anger. Please pray together with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I come to you, and upon this holy place, in the congregation of your holy saints, I uncover my heart, so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds that have been brought on by sin, by lust, by lies, which I despise, in which I reject. I come to you with my illness, my fears, my wounded honor. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wound. And now, according to your word, I want to proclaim before heaven and hell that I am healed, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am restored, I am justified, I am saved. Your sins and transgressions are forgiven to you in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you, may come down upon you, look upon you and give you peace. May around you fall thousands and tens of thousands near you, but not draw near you. May the blessings of the ancient hills and everlasting mountains come upon you. May with the noise be cast out the power of death out of your body, and in its place let the power of life be resurrected. May all of this come upon you and upon all of your descendants, and let the people say, Amen, Amen.
we had a great privilege today to read that word that is filling for today's day. Sometimes people come up and say, why do you specifically choose sermons that are meant for me? I say, well, I don't choose sermons. And you can test me by those notes I'm given by pastor that I've been passed along by him. As they go, I am going. But our apostle found it necessary to take this topic, and he found that this topic is needed for us. That's why in order for, you should never think that I dig under someone. I've never dug under anyone. I dig for myself a place for the old man for him to end up in, but I don't dig under anyone else. Let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory in unblemished joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.